Welcome to the School Connect podcast. At School Connect, we know it takes a village to help every child reach their full potential. So, each episode, we'll hear stories of normal people who became heroes, solving community problems in powerful and creative ways. We know these stories will inspire you to create the change you hope to see. Well, hello, Tracy. We are uh, entering the summer, which is so crazy as we're preparing for this podcast. School is wrapping up. And I just want to say it's been a really fun journey with you over the last several months producing this podcast. And I can't wait to um, really kind of dive into some of the things that we've done historically. But as we come into today's podcast, I'm curious, what is your perspective or understanding of bottom-up leadership? So in the business world, there's the top-down leadership and there's the bottom-up. What Mm -hmm. what is your perspective Mm -hmm. of that? Yeah, I I tend to think like in the world that I am involved in with education, I tend to think that what you're really talking about, that bottom-up leadership is really how students, we think of students being the ones who are receiving all this benefit from education, from schools. But the reality is from, from my viewpoint, that students are actually getting to speak back up into the system and say, this is what's important to us. This is what is really happening. And they get to have a voice and engagement, uh, which I think is incredibly important. Yeah. And I, as growing up, if I think back to my um, days in school, I don't know that we ever had that voice. It was kind of like we would have a meeting and the principal would come in or the teacher would come in and this is how we're doing it. And we just kind of stood there as soldiers and we moved forward. And there were often times where, you know, even though we didn't have that opportunity, you know, it was discussed amongst us, right? Mm-hmm. Like we knew yeah. what they should be doing that they weren't doing. Is that right? <laughs> Were you the same way? Yes, totally, totally. Yeah, I think it's such a powerful thing to kind of realize that the people closest to the actual activity have a huge, hugely important perspective, right? So kids right. who are experiencing education, they should be the ones who get to say something about it and really engage in that process. And we're all better. All of us as adults are better because of them. Right. And I know as a business leader, you know, you also have the opportunity where you could have the the CEO and the owner and the board of directors sit in a room and say, this is what we're going to do. But what Mm -hmm. I have learned is before I go into strategic planning, I love to start with my frontline team and say, here's a blank sheet of paper why don't you tell me what you think the priorities are, what you think we should be doing, what you think's working, what's not working. And what I have found in my career is there's some pretty significant aha moments that mm-hmm. had I not done that, I would have never gone in a strategic direction that I needed to go into based on what my frontline team was telling me. So today we have a really mm-hmm. exciting opportunity to see this in action, because this is unique that this is happening in a local school district. Do you want to kind of introduce what we're going to talk about today? Yes, of course I want to do that. So today we have the superintendent of the Pendergast Elementary School District, Dr. Jen Cruz, with us. And she also has with her two students from her eighth grade superintendent's council, And they are Kimora and Kelly. So I'm so excited to have you both, well, all three of you with us. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking us to join today. 
Yeah, girls, thank you so much for coming. Are you comfortable? Are you going to be okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got to get your voices going so that you feel free to jump in and, and uh, you know, offer your different parts of all of this. So, so Dr. Cruz, my first question for you is kind of understanding why was the eighth grade superintendent council created? When did it start and, and why did it start? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be um, inheriting this leadership and learning opportunity from the previous superintendent, Dr. Lily DeBlue. So uh, my understanding is that Lily started the superintendent student council with the idea to get more of our students to see colleges, particularly Ivy League colleges. And so um, I believe that seven or eight years ago, Dr. DeBlue took a student um, to Harvard because a student had, you know, long-term vision of themselves, you know, going to Harvard, but couldn't picture even literally how to get there, right? And so mm-hmm. um, it started there. And since then, it has really grown into us having an ongoing conversation with our eighth grade students. So we're, we are a preschool through eighth grade school district. So our eighth grade students are our oldest students. And, you know, what's important to me is that we understand that we work in service of children. And mm-hmm. we can't know what their experience is like if we don't ask them. And when, when we make policy decisions, when, uh, when we're doing strategic planning like we are right now, you can't make a plan if you don't care about what your customer experience is. Right. It's not a good one. Mm-hmm. But it's hard, it's hard to make informed policy, uh, you know, when you're making the, the rules of engagement for 8,000 uh, people with whom you never speak. Yeah, right? I mean, such a good point. Yes, good point. That doesn't make sense. Uh, since I've started here in this role, this is now my second group of, of eighth graders. Um, it is absolutely just a, a joy and an honor to be able to work uh, with these students. They've, they've helped with uh, policy. They've given input. Uh, last year, we were uh, revising our dress code policies, and so uh, our eighth graders helped us with that. Um, they've, they've helped us interpret some of the policies that the Arizona School Board Association has given us uh, because we have, we have questions about what they think it means and how it's going to impact their daily life at school. Um, today, I didn't did Jamie ask some of the kids about school lunch today? Yes. We discussed um, school lunch and how the students would like to meet and what changes could be made. So uh, we have a partner. More pizza. More pizza. That's what I would say. More pizza. <laughs> we, have a, we have a partner in food services. There's a company that, that we partner with through that. And, you know, uh, when I talk with students about, you know, what they wish could be better and talk to me all the time about lunch. So we're engaged in strategic planning and I challenged all of my directors who are involved in that to talk with their customers. But just the kids. Ask in, them. in this case, it's kids, right? And yes, so, yes. Uh, you know, he, he met with seventh and eighth graders today to ask them for their input on food services and, and what we could do to make it better. He knows he's going to have to uh, let me know how those conversations went and what adjustments having had those conversations. So, that's just some of what our kids do. You can tell Tracy about some of the other things we do because we meet once a month. Yes. What do you guys do? I, I'd love to kind of hear, give me an overview of the year. What, what generally do you do? We have visited a couple of colleges here in Phoenix. Also done a couple of service projects throughout the year for the kindergartners and um, all the schools in our district. 
Um, we also get to learn about like various careers and job opportunities. Uh, we visited an an architecture firm, Orkla Winslow, and we nice. got to um, we got to like see firsthand how they um, come up with their designs for buildings and play around. Isn't that scene. isn't that crazy when you see how they come up with their designs? Yeah. What what hit you from that from that experience? What was surprising to you? One thing that was surprising to me was like how many people it takes to work on a project because mm. um, it goes through like a whole process with a lot of people and like their plans go through um, a lot of like revising. Mm -hmm. That is surprising. It's quite it's quite involved. So we are thinking about our students and their their possibilities are this ever expansive universe. Mm -hmm. You know, these young people could do anything, like literally right. anything, right? And so what we're trying to do is give them the opportunity to start putting some some stars and planets and things in that galaxy so that they can start to really envision, you know, their their future direction. It's hard to know what you're going to do in the future, right? And so, mm -hmm. so you've been on some high school tours, right? You heard from some different high schools, so you got some different high school choices that they drew. We went to Grand Canyon University. They did a fantastic tour for us. Um, we took the students to Georgetown Law School in Washington, D.C. So they, wow. they um, you know, saw what, you know, post-secondary uh, education looks like. They do service projects. Um, oh, you went to the conference? Uh, yes, I went. We, had, we both went. We had the opportunity to go with Dr. Cruz and the board members to San Diego to the National School Board Association. We presented and talked about exactly what this council is, what and what benefits come from participating in a council like this. What a great opportunity. Yeah. And I think the only other thing that they do that we haven't spoken with you about is that we actually have three of our students on the council who sit on the dais during our governing board meetings. And, and they, um, they're actively, you know, part of our board. Obviously, they're not voting members. They have been, you know, they're not elected officials. Um, but they sit on the dais with the board and they ask clarifying questions and they participate and they give school reports. And, and we think that's really important for uh, young people to learn about being an elected official and what it means to run as well districts. So those those are our big pots of things that that we do. And they, so they help they help me, and hopefully we do value that and help you all out too. That is so exciting. I think I love the fact that. Um, you know, I just want to reiterate, this is a superintendent's council. This is not a principal's council. This is a superintendent's council who then connects the school board, which is the epicenter of policy decision making and sets the direction for entire district, which is just really phenomenal and speaks volumes about your commitment to your customers, which I think if, if, if someone asked me who were your customers, I might say it's the parents initially. But in reality, Everything that you're saying is correct. It's the students who are the customers, not the parents. And the parents are there, but the students are the ones that are really benefiting from the hard work and the great work that you're doing. When you think about what's transpired with the superintendent's council, how is the district different? Well, I mean, I, I think the district is different just because of the way, you know, it's informed our policy decisions. You know, take, for instance, the, the dress code, right? Normally, uh, adults make student dress codes, right? Yeah. Adults mm -hmm. tell children what to do with their bodies, right? And um, why can't we ask the kids? 
what to do with their bodies. I mean, the, the kids understand, you know, this, this was something we did with last year's council. Like, I'm at work. And so I have uh, some rights and privileges when I'm at work. They're like, I want to see certain stuff. Okay. Right. They have rights and privileges, though, over how they want to look and how they want to, you know, the image that they want to project. Right. So somewhere mm-hmm. between what I'm comfortable with as a person at work and what you're comfortable with as a person who wants to express themselves, like that's where a policy should fall. Right. And, and so we were able to have conversations, um, you know, with our group. And, uh, and I think we came up with a, with a policy that makes sense for everybody. So I'm comfortable when I go into the schools and they're comfortable that they can be their authentic selves. Knowing that there are some parameters, you have to code switch when you go to work. So for our students, you know, like we're actually, we're all, they're working and I'm working, right? We right. working together. So it's just a little bit different, right? You know, I don't expect them to dress like adults, you know, um, but still they're, they're going to professional places. And so. What, what, I, what I love about that is you're getting buy-in and you're helping, we're collaboratively working on it and you're getting buy-in. I have to assume that whenever you go to monitor or enforce the dress code, it's probably a different environment because it really was bottom up. Students were able to speak into it and it probably is a whole different dynamic. Would you agree? It could be as long as the people who got the direct connection with our students have it be a dialogue. Right, right, <laughs> right. And that's where from my intention to operational reality, that's where we as an organization, as any organization, has to right. look at the, like, what does it really look like in the field? So when a, you know, when a teacher sees a student and they have that interaction, that conversation, how is the teacher approaching that, that young right. person? Right. So can you just give us a, like one tiny example? What changed in the dress code because of this conversation? Yeah, so we, um, the, what happened was that the state of Arizona had come out with a law that was actually signed um, into law immediately. You know, the governor can, can have uh, statutes that become effective immediately. Mm-hmm. Last year prior to graduation, that indigenous uh, students could wear indigenous regalia during their graduation, right, or promotion. And we, uh-huh. uh, as institutions, um, had to allow that, right? And of course, I see it, and I'm horrified that anybody had to make this a law in the first place, but it, it had to be printed to a law. So, you know, our dress code specifically states that uh, indigenous students can, can wear indigenous regalia to any event, any property, any, you know, like, like you do you, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Not on us to tell you on which days you get to be proud of your culture. You know, we allow uh, specifically that kids can wear their hair however they wish, right? We want to encourage kids to, you know, wear their hair naturally or not, right? As long as it's not destructive, right? We know that in this day and age, folks can get creative. Mm-hmm. So as long as, long as it's, uh, you know, kind and respectful and, you know, wear that. And so, you know, it's, it's pieces like that, I think, where we're trying to acknowledge that there, there are all different kinds of folks in the world, and, uh, and we welcome all of those people onto our campuses as themselves. So your language now reflects the diversity of cultures and the way that students are wearing their hair. That's what you're saying. Yeah, their hair or, you know, again, indigenous students can wear different things that they feel like they need to. Certainly people of different religions are welcome, you know, to wear, uh, you know, whatever they feel like they need to wear, you know, an expression of 
their faith. Uh-huh. You know, we think, we think that's all important if you're really going to create a welcoming environment. I have a question for Kelly and Kimora. Whenever you're thinking about what you're having these conversations, do you have student friends or classmates who are not part of the council that are coming to you and kind of lobbying you or encouraging you or asking you to, hey, can you bring this up or can you talk about this? That was the first side of the question. And the second question is, whenever you know that you're gonna be making some uh, opinions or giving some feedback on dress code, do you go out and ask your peers what their thoughts are? Does that make sense? Yes. So we were chosen on the council to represent our schools. So I feel like it's only right if we ask students from our schools what they think we should do before I just make a decision based on my opinion. Because it also involves their environment because they're also part of the school. But like you mentioned, the first question, it wasn't necessarily a student who came up to me. It was a teacher um, discussing how the administrators didn't help with the behavioral issues that were happening. And I told her, hey, do you want me to bring it up? And she's like, you can tell her. The students are the ones that are capable of making the change because they're the ones that are living it. Mm. So not only do you have students coming to you, but you also have your teachers who are coming and giving you some perspective. Does that make you feel, how does that make you feel? Um, It makes me feel like, it makes me, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but it gives me like encouragement. It makes me feel important and included because uh, before we were students that were just in classroom and now we're kind of like, hey, you know the people with the power that are capable of changing something. I don't know, you help us, so. It's like we're important. And I think that probably has to do a lot for your self-confidence. And it really is setting you up for how you collaborate when you get into the business world outside of school. And, you know, to your point where you have a lot of difference of opinions, I love the fact that you are learning now that it's important to get everyone's perspective and then to share those perspectives. Because some people would take this position and say, I now can make the decisions for what I think is right. And, you know, the one thing that I learned as I was going through my master's program was before I would write a report and I would say, this is how I feel, or this is, you know, whatever my perspective was. And the very first thing that I learned very early on in my master's program was you better be able to back it up with facts and statistics. Because if you can't do that, then it's just your opinion. And while your opinion's good, it doesn't go very far. And so I think it's really cool that you're learning the significance of working with others and looking at everyone's perspective. Yeah, I, so here's a question I have for you two girls. Um, if you were trying to convince somebody to be on the council, I know they have to be chosen, but, but if you were trying to say, hey, this is a great experience, what, what do you say to them? To definitely apply because it's an opportunity that not many get to have and it's something that also gives you other opportunities for your next upcoming years in school and it helps you in many ways and taking you out of your shell giving you leadership opportunities i think those are just a few of really um i would tell them to embrace leadership not just in the council but also outside of school and um in school and I would tell them to just be themselves and let their personality shine through. So what I heard them just say is you don't have to have a position to be a leader. Mm. Right? Is that yeah. what you were saying, Kimora? Yeah. 
that anyone can be a leader. Is that what you're going to say? We think that they are all leaders if we get out of the way. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. And if you understand a problem and you're able to begin to collaborate with others to figure out a solution, that's taking leadership, right? Even if you're not on the council. It's just great that you have the council as a venue or a platform to be able to do that in special ways. True. So maybe this get having the role on the council will serve you well as you go on to be able to be in, an influencer and to be able to listen to others and help uh, solve problems together, whether you have a particular role or not. True. Yes. Council definitely gives you an environment that helps you work with other people and not just yourself to make sure that you hear other people's opinions and help you take criticism and that criticism you can take in um correct whatever you did wrong and take it as an opinion Mm -hmm. so dr cruz i have a question for you um i have to assume that as a superintendent that you have a very full schedule And, you know, most superintendents, this what you're doing with this council probably is just an addition to everything else that you're doing. So there's a superintendent who's listening right now to this podcast who is not doing this and is thinking there is no way I can add this to my schedule. What do you say to them? I guess I would offer um, a, a reflective reframing of our work. So if our work is to run the school district on behalf of the governing board selected us, then we've been selected to serve a community. And that Mm. community has given us, uh, besides their faith, the two most important things in their lives, their children, and frankly, their money, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's really no more important task we can do than connect with their children and make sure that we're being good financial stewards. So this isn't really an ad so much as it's the job. So I guess I would offer that reframe that I wonder how you can run a school district on behalf of children and on behalf of the community if you don't know the people that you serve. Ah, I love that. I love that. How can you do your job if you're not interacting with the people you serve who are the students? Mm -hmm. The students. So you would say that this is the top priority being able to understand that so that you have wisdom to make the decisions that you make. Yeah, this is the job. Yeah, that is so cool. So Kimora, I hear that you were involved in a service project when you were being considered to uh, become a part of the eighth grade council. Could you tell that story? Yeah, so my gifted teacher um, asked all of her eighth grade students in gifted and she said, to list the problems in our community. And one of the problems that we came up with was littering. And then she asked us, how are we gonna solve that? So me and um, my other students in my gifted class, we kind of like brainstormed this whole event and it turned out to be a huge success. We collected over three truckloads of trash and had 120 people attend. Wow. So in the School Connect world, we call that Love Our Schools Day, right? Only you guys figured out, man, three truckloads of trash and all those volunteers. And did you guys actually lead the whole thing? Um, We were mostly there just to like supervise everything and direct people in the right way. Um, We made sure everything was safe. 
Um, you couldn't leave the campus without a buddy and younger kids had to stay on the campus. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like that's leadership. <laughs> so it was it was student driven and students had different jobs assigned. And, you know, um, when when Mr. Polmar and I turned the corner, we saw all those people. We saw that equipment. We saw how organized it was. We were, we were so surprised. We thought we were going to see just a, a class full of students, you know, and, and maybe one, you know, really sweet, well-intentioned teacher. And there were so many staff members and there were community members out there, the parents, there you know, was music, there was food, right? Oh my well, gosh. Yeah, you, you can't pick up trash without music and food, right? You need to have <laughs> that. I, I can be picking up trash to a beat, right? Seriously, <laughs> it was awesome. I, I was absolutely impressed. That, that is awesome. So, so today, actually today, you guys were working on the, the eighth grade superintendent's council for next year, right? All of the people who applied were coming and uh, being talked to, being heard from today. So, oh my gosh, what are you excited about for them as you've listened to these new students? So these are seventh graders interested in doing this in eighth grade. What was that experience like for you two? Definitely showing us how nervous we were during that process. It took me back to the process that we went through to, in order to actually take a part of this council or apply and seeing their opinion and seeing them in their environment while working with the other students that they never met, which are strangers to that. Uh-huh. It's amazing seeing how easily they can make new friends in literally five minutes and just put them in the room together. Yeah, I I agree, Kelly. Um, I would say it was a little emotional for me because being on this council has been so amazing and I'm not ready to leave yet. Neither am I. But then again, I'm excited for the seventh graders um, so they can experience and make memories like we did. I would think, I'm just going to guess... But listening to you guys, now that you're at the end of your eighth grade year and you've gone through all these experiences, that when you look at these seventh graders, they're only a year behind you. But does it feel like it was a huge year in your life, like you've changed so much? Yeah, like looking back, I've grown a lot and really changed and matured from being a seventh grader. When I was starting to apply to be a part of this council, my parents were like, no, this is too much for you. And now they're like, when are you going to go again? When are you going to go It was an amazing, it was an overall amazing experience. So you discovered there were things about you that you maybe didn't realize. Definitely. And you grew in confidence. And you probably have, I'm guessing, that you have some incredible friends on that eighth grade council. Absolutely. Yeah, being on the council... You, you kind of don't see them as your council members because we see each other a lot. So we kind of consider ourselves to be more of a family. Mm. We made, these are like flying friends. Some of us are not going to go to the same schools after eighth grade, but we know for sure that's one way or another we're going to see each other because we're just comfortable around each other no matter what. That is really powerful. And I just sure hope that all the people that are listening to this podcast hear um, how much you've changed and grown, how much vision you have, and then the incredible community that you've created. And, And Dr. Cruz, man, kudos 
for you and your team. And of course, my dear friend, Dr. DeBlue, as I got to see her uh, create this council back in history, I've gotten to watch it all these years and even had the Adriatic Council uh, one, at one point came to the Global Leadership Summit, which was such a, a thrill for us. So I've kind of gotten to see this happen. And I can't think of something that is more beautiful and more powerful, to be honest, than having an eighth grade superintendent council. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I want to do a lightning round really quick with, the, with um, Kelly and Kimora. First question, really fast. What do you want to do whenever you graduate college or you are done with school? So what do you want? How do you want to serve your community post-education? I mean, that's a tough question. There's many choices that we have, but right. um, definitely something to leadership as I've always been told I'm a great leader. So definitely, I think we are more than capable of being great leaders to our community and we definitely need better leaders. Yes. I okay. plan on going into architect- architecture after college. I've grown close with working with um, Players. So I think that our contention would be a really good fit for me. That is awesome. Next question, really fast. If you can think of one or two words that would describe your experience on the council, what would they be? Extraordinary. That's a cool word. Extraordinary. There's like so many words you can use to describe this council. Right. I just want to say, you know, on behalf of all of our listeners and Tracy, thank you so much for taking time to share with us what you've shared with us today. But more importantly, I know that you guys have invested a lot of your personal time to be part of this. You probably have, you know, had been pulled out of class to do this, which meant you had to do homework at night that you could have done during class. And there's been a lot of commitment that you've made to this council. And because of that, your district is going to be different forever. Your fingerprints are on your district. And that is an amazing thing that could never be taken away. And that is just super exciting. Tracy, thank you for giving us a real life example of the significance of bottom up planning. So as we wrap up today's episode, we just want to encourage you to share this episode with your friends, like it, um, post about it on social media. If you have some ideas or some feedback, please share that with us. And also think about how you can take what you learned today and you can multiply this vision of a student council in your school or your district. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the School Connect podcast and for being part of our village. Be sure to follow, review, and share this podcast on your chosen platform because more collective voices equal more progress for our kids. If you're interested in finding out more about School Connect and seeing how you can make a difference, go to schoolconnectaz.org for more information.